Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a chance to do in 2023 what they couldn't do in 2022, lock up a playoff spot with a home win over a divisional opponent. Will they finish the job this time around? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. This game scares me a little bit. It scares me because... There is nothing for the Bears to lose here. There are a lot of parallels between this game and the Week 18 game against the Lions last year. But that, I think, is the biggest one. The Lions were coming in with nothing to lose against the Green Bay Packers, who had everything to play for. And the Bears are coming in with a chance to play spoiler and maybe talk themselves into a new version of their own future. The Bears have been playing a little bit better of late. We'll talk about that here in a second. But they're also at the point where they're starting to think about what they want to do, or they should be at that point at least, probably have been for a while, should have been for a while, where they're thinking about what they want to be in 2024 and beyond. And if they win this kind of game, it's the sort of thing that gets you thinking, maybe we're on the right path. Maybe we've figured something out here. Maybe, just maybe, we can start building around Justin Fields in a meaningful way, having put some good things together over the second half of 2023. Maybe that's the smart thing to do. Maybe it's not. But it's the sort of thing where it could be that sort of franchise-altering win that confirms the path that you're on. They certainly didn't have that kind of game in Week 1, but maybe now that a whole season has essentially gone by, they can get to that point in Week 18 with a win over the Packers. The Packers, meanwhile, just have to take care of business. And pardon me for being a little bit concerned about the Packers under Matt LaFleur being in position to, well, take care of business. 2019 NFC Championship game, the 2020 NFC Championship game, the 2021 Divisional Round game, or the 2022 regular season finale against the Detroit Lions, the game we are paralleling today. Yeah, I'm a little bit scared about this one because I think this game means more for the Bears as spoilers than the Packers as victors just because maybe the, I think the popular narrative is probably true in the Packers organization as well that they didn't necessarily expect to be here at this point. So what are they really playing for? Achieving or surpassing expectations is kind of a a mushy goal. The Packers are just trying to win so they can, what, do better than they hoped they would probably do this year? So here's the question then. If we or I am scared about this kind of thing, are the Bears actually good enough to be worth being scared of? I think yes. If nothing else, they are coming on in what should pass for a little bit of a hot streak. They're coming to the, to Green Bay, having won five of their last seven, five and two over the last seven games. Their last three wins have been by 15, 11, and 20 points. And, you know, for the record, if you, even if you want to, you know, poo-poo that five and two record, that's what the Packers are over their last seven as well. The Bears have been kind of making a little parallel run here. Sure, they're not talking about you know, their quarterback in the same way that the Packers necessarily are because he's not putting up the same passing stats that Jordan Love is. But there's, I think, 
if you wanted to, a narrative you could spin about Justin Fields over the second half of this season here, and we'll talk about that in a second. You could even argue in the stretch that the Bears have been a little bit unlucky this season. They are 2-5 and five this season in games decided by seven points or less. Change the result of just a couple of those games, and the Bears could very easily be in firm control of second place in the NFC North right now. Yet here we are with the Bears not quite there, and the Packers not quite there either. So let's dive into the Chicago Bears. On offense, Luke Getze still running the show for the Bears, but things have changed in one noteworthy uh, schematic way. Early in the season, the Bears were knocked for not letting Justin Fields run enough. Well, that has changed significantly. You can split Justin Fields' season into two pretty neat halves here. He played six games prior to being inactive for a month due to injury, and then he's played six games after that. In the six games pre-injury, he never ran more than 11 times in a game, and he only broke into double digits twice in terms of either designed runs or scrambles. In the six games he has played post-injury, Fields has only run fewer than 11 times twice. He is averaging 11 and a half rushing attempts and uh, rushing attempts, excuse me, and 65 and a half rushing yards per game in those 6 games. By way of comparison, just to put a number on it, Aaron Jones is averaging 54.4 yards per game this year. So more productive on average in a given game than Aaron Jones is as a runner. And Jones, for the record, is a much worse passer than Justin Fields, just to to throw that out there, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, of course. So what is the deal with Fields? The question when you have a quarterback who is not firmly your franchise guy is whether or not he's going to become that guy. So is Fields getting there? Do you run it back with him or not? I think if you are the Bears general manager or Bears ownership or whoever's making decisions for the Chicago Bears, I think you have to approach it by asking yourself two questions. First, do we still have questions about Justin Fields now? Not, is he playing better? Because I think he is. Not, can he do good things for us some of the time? Those are still up in the air. But we still do have questions like bigger existential questions about Justin Fields. Can he develop as a passer? Is this all he's ever going to be as a passer? Uh, Can we put weapons around him that are going to effectively maximize the skills that he does have? Will doing that, you know, permanently box us into one way of playing? Is that way of playing a significant advantage in this version of the NFL? Can it ever be? I think you have to ask yourself a bunch of those kinds of questions. And if you just come up with the, the answer that we just still have too many questions about Justin Field, that should be a big mark against bringing him back toward next year and the future. Secondly, are are we confident that the coaching staff we do have right now can help us answer those questions given the time that they've had with him? If your answer there is no, and if your other question is, or the answer to the other question is yes, that you still have a bunch of questions about Justin Fields, I think you would probably just want to wipe the slate clean. I don't think you want a new coaching staff coming in with Justin Fields, given where you're going to be picking in the draft. And I don't think you want to run it back with your current coaching staff with an entirely new quarterback. I think you're best off just wiping everything clean. Because if you bring in a new quarterback with the same coaching staff, I think you end up running the risk of having exactly what you had happen with Justin Fields happen with your new guy, in that you just end up on different timelines with your coaching staff 
and your quarterback. Your coaching staff is coming in with a guy that they didn't pick and they're not beholden to, but you have to build around because ownership has decided that this is what you want. You can't necessarily run the system that you want with the guy that you want because you have neither the guy that you want nor the opportunity to build with the guy that you hope to have. So I, again, would just feel inclined to wipe the slate clean and start fresh because what are the odds that Fields becomes more than what he's been to this point elsewhere? If you just let him go, if you trade him, if you cut him, whatever it is, do you think he's going to become better than he's been to this point in the NFL somewhere else? Like is somebody going to unlock Justin Fields? Or maybe a little bit less certain than that, what are the odds that you can't get another quarterback who's been at least as good as Justin Fields to this point? It feels like the the better move here, if you're Bears ownership, regardless of what happens in this final week of the season, is just to, to break and try something new. Has he been better? <sighs> Hard to say. First six games of the year, he's completing just under 62% of the pass of his passes, 11 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 91.6 rating. Second half of the season, just under 61% of his uh, passes have been completed, 5 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, 80.9 rating, but much more effective as a runner. The Bears have been winning with fields playing differently. It's just a question of whether or not you can build around that in a successful long-term sort of way. Ultimately, as a Packers fan, I love the dilemma the Bears are in. I don't want Justin Fields to be good from that perspective. I don't want the Bears to be good. I want them to be stuck in this dilemma forever and ever and ever. But as a football fan, I do kind of want Justin Fields to be good. And we've said this before because he is not your traditional drop-back style passer. He's not going to drop back and throw the ball 40 times a game just standing in the pocket. That guy may not exist in the NFL anymore. But he is an exciting athlete. He can run around and do some very exciting things. And I want there to be more opportunities for guys who are not the prototype drop-back passer to thrive in the NFL because I think that's better for the league when you've got different sort of players doing different kinds of things and succeeding. It makes it a more interesting game league-wide. So it's a bit of a dilemma. Um, The Packers fan in me is going to win out there just because Fields is in the NFC North. But it, it is a problem that vexes me a little bit just as a football fan. Bears' offensive line is not doing Fields just tons of favor. They are the 21st-rated pass-blocking team in the NFL by Pro Football Focus and the 21st-rated run-blocking team. Center Lucas Patrick, the former Packer, is the obvious weak spot up front. He's decent enough in the run this year, but a real liability as a pass-blocker, which basically dovetails with what we saw from Lucas Patrick over his time in Green Bay. More of a scrapper than a real technician up front which translates more to success in the run game than the pass game. Speaking of that passing game, wide receiver DJ Moore coming over from the Panthers has to have been just about as good as the Bears could possibly have hoped. 92 catches, 1,300 yards on the dot, and eight touchdowns so far this season. That is the ninth most receptions the Bears have ever had in in a season in their franchise history and the fifth most yards that any receiver has ever put up in their history as well. Cole Komet, their tight end, also gets a lot of their additional receiving volume. 70 catches this year, just 9.7 yards per catch, uh, though, on the season. However, he is pretty effective situationally, though. We've talked more about success rate over the course of the the back half of the season. 62.8% of his catches are considered successful uh, by pro football reference. 
so far this year. He is one of just three pass catchers in the NFL with 70 or more catches and a success rate of 62% or higher this year. The other two are Brandon Ayuk and Travis Kelsey. Is this a bit of a statistical outlier? Possibly. This is by far his career high, but it's also something that we can't ignore. Komet has been effective for the Bears this year. In terms of other receivers, there's not much there for the Bears right now. Running back Roshan Johnson has caught 34 passes so far this year, 209 yards. A lot of low-value catches for him. Darnell Mooney, a wide receiver, has 31 catches for 414 yards. He's the other one you might want to keep an eye on. A tidy 13.4 yards per catch for him so far this year. In the run game, Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields are a pretty good dynamic duo, 4.9 and 5.4 yards per attempt, respectively. Generally speaking, I would expect a lot more run commitment from the Bears than last time. Elsewhere in the Bears' office, we've already mentioned Lucas Patrick, but of course there are a few other former Packers kicking about as well. Robert Tunyon so far this year, 11 catches, 112 yards on the season. Four catches for 40 yards last week, though. Season highs in both categories there. Mercedes Lewis, four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown on the year for the Bears. One explosive play on the year. And Equinemius St. Brown, four catches, 44 yards for the season. Last week was just the sixth time this year he has been active for the Bears in a game. So how do the Bears stop, how do the Packers stop the Bears' offense, rather? I think your game plan is broadly similar to stopping Jaron Hall, a somewhat questionable passer who has a little bit of mobility with his legs. You're going to force pressure on Justin Fields if you can and force him to process quickly. The rub, of course, is Justin Fields' running ability. I think you try to counteract that with Quay Walker as much as you can, maybe as a spy, spy, maybe as a run blitzer. And Quay Walker may just be the key to this game in general, given the depth the Packers are, well, having problems with up the middle with uh, Devondre Campbell being a question mark and Isaiah McDuffie probably being out for this week. When the Bears are on defense, they are fairly effective. They are the 20th ranked scoring defense in the NFL, which isn't necessarily great, but they're a little bit of a boom or bust unit. And when they boom, well, I guess they're booming fairly frequently, put it that way. They're fifth in the NFL in takeaways, though they are not as aggressive of a team as, say, the Minnesota Vikings are. They blitz on just 22.8% of their percent of their defensive snaps versus nearly 50% for the Vikings. In terms of some of the advanced numbers, they are middling in terms of EPA allowed uh, for pass defense, but strong against the run. So generally thinking, I, or generally I think you want to look at the Bears as a stronger run defense, but weaker against the pass, and that becomes a little bit more of a concern when you see some of their injuries for this week. We'll talk about that in a second. In terms of pass rush, Pay most attention to Montez Sweat, who came over from Washington in a trade earlier this year. He's got six sacks in eight games since coming over to Washington via trade. They've got six other players on their roster with at least two sacks. That includes Unique Ngakwe, who has four, which is important because he's on injured reserve. So a productive pass rusher for them, not on the field against the Packers. Run defense, T.J. Edwards, one of their two noteworthy signings at linebacker and free agency over last offseason, is cleaning up. Uh, Good grades, great tackle volume, 145 tackles so far this year, piling them up for the Bears. I would keep an eye on Jalen Johnson in their secondary. He is by far their best cover man. His status for Sunday is a little bit uncertain with a shoulder injury. It would help the Packers out a lot if he is not there. Now, I mentioned earlier that the Bears make a lot of plays 
on the ball in terms of turnovers. That is generally true in terms of all plays on the ball. We talk about ball hawks a lot for the Packers defense. One of the, I guess, the big characteristics of the Joe Barry defense is essentially not getting your hands on the ball all that much. The Bears do not have that problem. They have seven guys with double-digit ball hawks so far this year, and importantly, six of those seven are defensive backs or linebackers. In that same category, the Packers have just three guys with double-digit ball hawks on the year. None of them are defensive backs or linebackers. The Packers, defensive backs and linebackers have not done a good job getting their hands on the ball this year, getting in position to do that. The Bears have, and that I think is the difference between their two defenses. It's not necessarily a strategy you can build around, but it is better to have it than to not have it, and the Packers have fallen short in that measure this year, while the Bears have not. If you're looking to attack this this Bears defense, I think the Packers should lean on Jordan Love. Pass, count on your playmakers, let Jordan Love be the deciding factor in this game, let him sort out this Bears defense and decide what he needs to do with the options he has out there. And I think if we've seen anything from this Packers offense over the second half of the season, it's that they have options. They have a bunch of different guys they can count on to make plays, and they can make plays in a variety of different ways. Lean on those guys. Let them do what they do well, and just go with what works from there. Special teams, real quickly, the Bears are pro football focus's 18th graded special teams unit. Kicker Cairo Santos is 32 of 35 on field goals for the year, 6 of 7 from 50-plus. He has missed two extra points so far this year, putting the ball in the end zone on 78% of his kickoffs so far this season. Their punter is Trenton Gill. He's averaging 46.1 yards per punt. Bears kick returners really do not matter. They've only returned 19 kickoffs on the year, definitely a team that is deciding to take a knee as often as they possibly can and get the ball out to the 25-yard line which is probably the smart way to go, given how often the Packers have started in a bit of a hole due to ineffective returns from Keyshawn Nixon. Bears punt returner so far this year is Trent Taylor. He's the only one who has returned a punt for them. 23 returns, 8.2 yards per return. Most of the time in previews, we take a second and look back at what happened last time. There's only one thing I want to look back on from last time. You know what happened. The Packers won 38-20. But I've got one lasting memory from that game, and it's Quay Walker sealing the game with a pick six. Here's the TV call from that game. Field stands in, delivers, intercepted. Quay Walker's got it. Looking for blocks. Walker still on his feet. Walker still going, looking for the end zone. Quay Walker is in. Touchdown. And lest you think I would let you get away without hearing the Packers' radio call, you are mistaken. Here's Wayne Larravee putting a dagger in the Bears. Still early going fourth quarter. Packers leading by 17. Fully loaded gun. Fields takes the snap. Scans the secondary with time. Now fires it up in the middle. Intercepted. Quay Walker at the 30 to the 25. Cutting right. Breaks a tackle. Spins to his left. Still on his feet. 15 wow. 10. He's going to the house wow. for a pick six. Touchdown, Green Bay. And an opening day. Dagger! An opening day dagger. It's about as good as it gets. Packers already putting a hurt on the Bears that day. And then here comes Quay Walker out of nowhere at the interception, rumbling through the Bears' defense on the way to the end zone to seal the 38-20 win. Hard to get better than that for a week one opener. How do the Packers duplicate that? How do we get to a win here in week 18? 
let's look at what they have to do on both offense and defense. On offense, I think your path to victory is assuming that you're going to have to carry the defense here. That should be the assumption, I think, as long as the Packers continue to play, as long as Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator. Just assume that you are going to have to carry the defense. Packers are going to have to be efficient, however this game is going. If it's a close game with few possessions, they're going to have to keep putting up points. If it's a a more back-and-forth affair with the the Packers' defense just continuing uh, to give them the ball back, if they have the opportunity to force um, the the Bears to punt or, or into turnovers or things like that, I think the Packers have to keep soaking up clock and just make sure that the Bears have no chance to get in back into this game. The offense has got to take care of difference. I fear the close game in this one because anything can happen. On defense, do whatever you can to slow down Justin Fields as a runner, make him beat you as a passer. That is um, a more dangerous proposition this year than it has been in the past with DJ Moore and Cole Komet having good seasons. But I think you would prefer that Fields beats you in more predictable ways than unpredictable ways. Uh, it's hard to account for a scrambling quarterback. You can scheme against a, a running quarterback who's going to have designed runs and things like that. Fields is partially that, but as a scrambler, that gets a little bit more difficult to deal with. If you make it, um, I guess, inefficient for him to scramble, if you put him in positions where scrambling is just going to eat up clock and and be not a good use of what the Bears are, 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 are have available to them in terms of possessions, that is going to be your path forward for the defense. Just stop Justin Fields, and I think the rest is going to fall into place for you. The Bears just don't have the horses, I think, to run with you from from that point on. So are the Packers going to win or lose? That's what it comes down to. On the one hand, I just want to say it's destiny. We deserve it. After all the Packers have gone through this year, the Aaron Rodgers exit, the rough start to the season, the growing pains, all of that, all that they've done in terms of coming back down the stretch. Yeah, there is a little bit of feeling like, as fans, we deserve to see a win. But I think they just have the better team here. They have the better quarterback. They have a more viable offense. And they've got a defense that I think can do enough to make it so the offense, well, even if they've got a couple bumps throughout the course of the game, they can get the job done. If the Packers are going to lose, though, I think it's because their defense lets them down. It'll be because Justin Fields has a shoot early 2000s Michael Vick in the playoffs type game. It'll be because they just cannot stop him as a runner or as a passer, which is a very real possibility here. The Packers have some questions in their secondary. They've got questions at linebacker. They've got questions about covering tight ends. Those all dovetail with some of the strengths of this Bears offense. And so if Justin Fields can play a good game, you've got to like the Bears' chances in this one. So it kind of comes down to the Packers' offense outpacing the Bears' offense and maybe the Packers' defense just doing enough to slow down Fields and the Bears to make this one a Packers' win. I do feel confident in the Packers getting the win in this one. I feel like they can do it, and I feel like they will. It's just a matter of putting yourself in the best position to win. And that may come down to the defense just slowing down Justin Fields. But I'll leave you with this. How great is it that we as fans get to end up here after the way last season ended, after the way all of last season went, 
week in, week out, uncertainty about what you were going to see, what they were even building for, what they were trying to do to become. Were they still trying to build around Aaron Rodgers? What was Jordan Love's future going to be? What sort of pieces would they put around him if he did get the starting job? Would Aaron Rodgers end up leaving in the offseason? After all of that, after all of the things that this team went through this year, two and five at after seven or eight weeks, un, just disjointed on offense, ineffective on defense, to be here as fans with a hyper-meaningful Week 18 game against the Packers' oldest and best rival, it's all you can ask for. I harp on this every year on this podcast. There's only 17 of these games. Used to be 16, now it's 17. These games are a limited commodity. And years in which those games, all of them matter, are rare too. We've got one of those years now. The Packers are in Week 18 with a game that means something. Beating the Bears would always mean something, to be sure, but I think you understand what I mean there. They've got a chance to get into the playoffs. And it's exciting as a fan. This is all you really want. Just a chance. A chance to see something cool. And we've got a chance to see something really, really cool on Sunday. So I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.